0: I was looking at, uh, you know, Robert Kiyosaki talks a lot about the dollar and gold's value. And one thing he keeps talking to, kind of to the uh, different scenario that you're talking about, is because you think that maybe the dollar makes it through all of this, uh, in the sense of we don't get, you know, kind of a shift between, say, maybe the digital yuan and we see a, a new global reserve take off. Um, He's talking about uh, obviously Bitcoin, silver, and gold are kind of the leads uh, in terms of commodities and potential asset classes that could win out on this. Do you feel that there will be room for those kinds of risk assets in those kinds of recoveries? Or do you think that dollar is going to be king and we'll just be in a position to be able to get back into traditional commodities, securities, and risk assets and watch that growth go once this is over? are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think anytime we're in a period of liquidity contraction, global liquidity contraction, like we are in right now, the dollar is clearly king, but it, it all cycles. And so at some point we will get to the bottom and that will be the floor dropout moment. Everybody's capitulating, there'll be blood in the streets, there'll be geopolitical issues it will be a terrible time. I don't know if that happens in the next week or maybe, you know, within a year, I don't know how long that's going to take, but at some point we're going to bottom. And then what happens is that everything switches back on its head and liquidity starts being restored into the system and risk assets like Bitcoin, like crypto, like equities, uh, they start taking off again. So I'm, I'm convinced that we're going to get through that and get to another cycle. Um, The dollar, you know, every time this happens and every time we go back into another massive round of stimulus uh, and borrowing, uh, just massive amounts of debt, the U.S. Treasury debt that we see, um, that weakens the dollar over the long run. But again, the dollar is by far the strongest and best currency throughout the world. Um, I do think that there are two other competing systems that the world is going to... um, Take more uh, awareness of in the coming decade. Uh, the first is, is obvious: the Chinese yuan and their their alliance yeah. with Russia, with you know India, with uh, Middle Eastern countries and African nations. That's going to be, I think, a competing world reserve currency mm-hmm. and monetary system because they want to get off of the dollar system. To me, that's extremely clear. And then, second, the dark horse that that few politicians talk about is Bitcoin. I think that's a it's it's yeah. truly its own monetary system. It has the built-in capabilities of being the world's reserve asset and currency at the same time. And so I think we're gonna see a race between those three systems in the future. I think 10 years from now, we'll look back and we'll see the US dollar clearly declined as far as its role as being the world's reserve currency. Um, US treasuries declined as far as its role of being a world's reserve asset. Uh, mm-hmm. And the Chinese Yuan system increased and Bitcoin increased as well. And it's going to be kind of a three-way race at that point.
0: You know, this is an intriguing uh, thought because this is something that has been discussed. I mean, we've talked about it before here on our channel is that there is a, a little bit of a shift underway. Obviously, we know what's happening with Russia and China, especially because it's interesting because the, if you think about it, the United States has essentially pushed Russia into this position with sanctions and all these scenarios that we've dealt with. So essentially we're pushing or possibly propping up a new world reserve currency that could literally compete, maybe as you said, not in this cycle, but definitely within our children's lifetimes, which is something that I think a lot of people step back and go, wait a minute, you know, we're talking about the next 50 to 75 years, which is kind of how the Chinese plan Uh, and you look at that, I like your angle in the sense that there could be three splinters here, the crypto side of it from a Bitcoin standpoint, what we'll see from a US dollar standpoint, and where we may see the digital yuan, or what other derivative comes out of the unification around the, you know, we'll call it the Eastern world, uh, being China, Russia, and possibly even places like Iran, Pakistan, etc. With those kinds of scenarios breaking now, because now you're splintering global reserve, and you look at the opportunities there, and you look at Bitcoin and the dollar, if the United States were to step back and say, wait a minute, blockchain has been happening, let's say five years from now, we've got a new president, whatever it might be, uh, a new vision, uh, a lot of new millennials possibly in uh, the Senate and in the House, Uh, really kind of changing the framework, would it position, do you feel like the dollar plus Bitcoin could, in essence, become a new standard for the future around true reserve currency and possibly a digital reserve current currency that kind of leverages against each other kind of like USDC does right now with the US dollar. What are your thoughts on that?
1: I I definitely think that's a possibility. I think that would if you know if I were in charge if I could whisper into the ear of the governing officials that's what I would strongly recommend at this point. I if I were uh, you know in the US Treasury or the Federal Reserve I would be pushing for this whole concept of Bitcoin being a new reserve asset for the digital age, but let's maintain the dollar as being this fantastic medium of exchange. Right. right? Sure. And and so you you strengthen your currency by holding reserves in Bitcoin, like we used to do it in gold and some countries still hold exactly. gold as a reserve asset, yeah. but then you use the dollar as a medium of exchange that would prolong the life and the strength and the, you know, the longevity in general of the U S dollar system that we're enjoying currently. I think if they don't do that, and I'm skeptical that they're going to do that because I, I just don't, um, you know i don't trust the judgment of a lot of these people who make these decisions they're they're mm-hmm. focused too much on short term and, and and too much on the past kind of and they they don't really accept that we've moved into this digital age which to me is so clear clear as day. Um, they could do that. That would be a fantastic relationship and that would work for a very long time. I think. Yeah. I have the uh, a sneaking suspicion, unfortunately, that it's going to be more of an adversarial relationship. That mm-hmm. we're going to see two parallel systems: the dollar, or three, you know, the dollar, the Chinese yuan, and then the in the Bitcoin system, all kind of competing with each other. And the in the world is going to be trying to decide which of these we choose. And maybe you choose all three. Maybe we'll all have, you know, little investments into each of them or we'll be storing our purchasing power. All of this makes sense to me in my bigger, larger global framework of we reached peak globalization already. Now we're starting to fracture and decentralize. This is made possible with the internet and with Bitcoin as kind of the, you know, magic internet money. Uh, And so we're going to see that happen more and more and more. And even within countries themselves, we're going to see uh, different fractions. Uh, And so it'll be very interesting to watch this play out over time.
0: Well, I think the countries that we've already started to see that, but to your point earlier, we could see fractions or factions within the EU break off and potentially go in those directions, even possibly fall into the hands of the digital yuan. You know, so there's some opportunities there, especially when you look at the kind of desperation that some of these countries could be under uh, in just a very short period of time. Again, all this pending on if we do see a massive overcorrection here, not only from the Fed, but also globally, and we get rampant inflation that just cannot get under control. I was looking at, um, to your point, when you think about the current administration and our potential track um, from a governmental aspect, and then you look at uh, Jamie Dimon, I was just listening to Dimon's uh, testimony the other day, and his statement it says and i think i've got a tweet here and you you actually hit hit on this my translation this was coming over from james lavish uh, his translation of diamond's testimony crypto like ethereum and bank sponsored stable coins can be manipulated and controlled he's okay with that he kind of he really kind of threw bitcoin under the bus saying that essentially it was a ponzi scheme and uh, went in that direction obviously the reason being is that his bank and others cannot necessarily control it's fully decentralized How much pressure do you think we're going to see from traditional finance on Bitcoin? I know Diamond's never been a true lover, even though he's got a lot of Bitcoin investments. But what are your thoughts on how some of these traditional uh, financiers and and, uh, banks are going to really push on Bitcoin?
1: Well, I think they're going to push hard. And, and so, you know, there's that old saying that first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. And I think yeah. right now we're transitioning to, from phase two to phase three, they've been laughing at Bitcoin, and now they're starting to take it seriously, because it's fight. just not going away. Now they're starting the fight stage. Why are they fighting Bitcoin? Because Bitcoin is literally the antithesis of government fiat money. It's not centrally controlled, it's totally decentralized. It doesn't need you don't need permission to use it. You know, if you're in Russia, and you have US bank reserves, There's no risk that they can shut off your Bitcoin access, but they can shut off your US dollar access. So everything about the US dollar um, and the whole empire that's been built on the US dollar, which is impressive, by the way, the most impressive empire in the history of the world, Mm -hmm. um, that's starting to crumble right now. And so when you have something like Bitcoin, that's literally offering a complete Antithesis: the, the alternative right. to government fiat, the people who benefit most from government fiat are going to hate it. They're just programmed to hate it. Uh, I think it's Charlie Munger that said, show me the motivation and I'll show you the outcome uh, or show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. And so these guys are incentivized investment bankers wall streeters and i count myself as one of them i'm a fund manager right and i'm a ria um we're uh, um politicians people who have benefited from the u.s dollar system hate bitcoin and they're going to hate it and fight it even more than they are already because it's a it's a complete alternative to what they grew up believing how they gained and acquired all of their wealth all of that is at risk with a Bitcoin standard. And so I expect more of that. Honestly, I don't like to fight. I think I I consider Bitcoin Bitcoin to be a peaceful revolution. You can sort of defund those dollar based activities by uh, transferring your purchasing power into Bitcoin. Uh, You can do that peacefully. And I think that's what makes it fantastic. But I would say expect to hear uh, more and more grief from the people who are the primary beneficiaries of the US dollar system.
0: On to that point, uh, you've got Ethereum now moving to proof of work. Um, There are indicators that institutions are proof of stake. Um, There are indications from um, a lot of industries out there that they're looking at this as kind of that new ESG, you know, golden child, whatever you want to call it. The potential here is that there could be an embracing effect for not only traditional institutions, but also maybe government authorities, uh, you know, lawmakers, et cetera, looking at Ethereum and positioning Ethereum as an alternative to something like a Bitcoin. Do you think that could be, because obviously there are question marks as to how that might play out. Do you think that could be a play that we could see uh, start to develop in the coming years?
1: I think that divide will become more and more clear over time. And I think the reason why James Lavish on that tweet you posted, he hit on the reason for it is the world sure. currently is is basically built on a proof of stake system. Companies, yeah. businesses are, are you know, shareholder friendly. The, the, the largest shareholders get to make the decisions. They tend to uh, benefit the most. Um, I think I've been saying all along that I think Ethereum, and I don't have I don't have any problem with, by the way, Ethereum and other cryptos. I don't I, don't, I just don't really care about them because I don't think they have much to do with Bitcoin. I think it's proper and appropriate for them to move to a proof of stake system. I think there only needs to be one currency in the world that is ba- built on proof of work. Uh, there doesn't need to be multiple of those, and so so I think Bitcoin has clearly already won that race, at least in my mind. Right. The other proof of stake companies like Ethereum, I think this just moves it one step closer to it being what it is and 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 people take this either positive or negatively i think it's just a tech company and it should be proof of stake because that's more of a shareholder friendly structure i think yeah. the sec sees it as they see ethereum right eth they see eth as a, um, basically an unregistered security it should just register as a security it should trade kind of like stocks trade um, and all of the, the um, all of the decisions they make are very similar to the kind of decisions a tech company makes. They just don't have a world headquarters; they're more spread out than that. Um, but for the most part, I see that all of these protocols are sort. Of, they should move in that direction. That would be appropriate. By the way, I'll say one more thing. And again, this isn't. I'm not anti-eth. I actually still hold a little ETH from back in 2016 2017. I kind of think this is the beginning of the end for Ethereum. I think these other uh, layer one protocols that compete directly with Ethereum um, th- they that are also proof of stake, they tend to be faster, stronger, better, cheaper. And I think in the tech world, those kind of companies are the ones who win out over the long run. So I kind of think that that, the the transition of Ethereum on the day from proof of work to proof of stake while it was successful, uh, and they were following the ESG narrative dutifully, I think it's the beginning of the end for Ethereum and these other proof of stake protocols are actually going to usurp it over the long run.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about uh, a lot of the evolving, you know, technologies out there. If you look at things like Solana or or others, and I think that at the same time, we probably don't even and have not even seen the real winner in proof of stake yet. It's possibly that product and company has not even been created. The likelihood is that we're going to continue to see a lot more advancements in this area. So I am in agreement that blockchain is kind of shifting the, the tech landscape, obviously, Proof of stake does kind of present itself in a little bit different light. I would agree, but at at the same disagree on the sense of decentralization versus centralization. I think all that is definitely going to play out in most likely uh, the lawmakers' uh, consideration how this flows. So we'll see how, especially if if the CFTC ends up getting their hands on some of this regulatory guidance as opposed to the SEC, which is kind of a land grab right now. So... Man, there's some interesting things happening. We are living in very interesting times. That's what I <laughs> could say. Uh, you know, I've had a chance to live through a couple of downturns, and this one right here is a little bit concerning to me. Uh, you know, being around in the markets of the tech world and seeing kind of the evolution of what happened in 08, even all the way back to 1980 when I was in just a, a kid. But seeing my family live through that recession period and that double-digit, you know, Volcker era. Uh, those were real impacts i think on a lot of people that were paying attention so interesting stuff we have a poll real quick uh jeff and then we're going to cut loose let's take a look real hit what investment uh will tempt institutions more bitcoin most trusted and limited and then ethereum uh so 39 so bitcoin's still kind of the leader but to your point will it really if cut. if in fact that they are kind of positioning against this you know, your thoughts on where do you think that's gonna land? Because it's kind of contradictory. Yeah,
1: I disagree with that poll. I, I think that I think the institutions will absolutely embrace uh, the crypto, Ethereum and just general crypto, proof of state crypto, mm-hmm. because that's more akin to what they do already. They already understand that world, yeah. uh, and so I think it just makes more sense to them. And and then also venture capital. That's where venture capital money is going, and I think it's sure. where it's going to continue to go. Yeah. I like to say that you know most of crypto is just venture capital that's glued to a blockchain, uh, and they and they see their um, their returns. You know, venture capital is famous for these incredible home run returns. Uh, when you when you apply it to crypto, they can see these same home run returns, but they happen sure. ten times faster than traditional VC. So there's there's a lot of enticement to get to uh, align itself with crypto. So I, I'd be the uh, I'd take a contrarian approach to the the results of that poll so far.
0: Interesting. Well, to your point on on you know on venture capital money, and and the point is is that basically they're doing this and getting to those kind of returns with ever out without ever taking a company IPO. I mean, essentially what you're yeah. doing is, is these are startups that in many cases get a, you know, a token listed or some sort of um, you know, token generation event that creates this massive wealth. And we don't know yet, and which gets back into the whole dot bomb era of what mm-hmm. we think will most likely happen in crypto is a lot, of, a lot of projects will go away. And we'll see an evolution of some real blockchain solutions kind of change the direction of where Web3 will go in the future. Great. No problem. Uh, that's just the market at work doing what it does best. And that is, it's, you know, it's the, what do they call that? The the fittest survive. (laughs) So at some point it's definitely going to be the case. Hey, Jeff, it's always great having you on. Thank you so much for uh, stopping in today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on again, Paul. It was great to see you. hope you have a great day. Excellent. You bet. All right. So you guys are tuned in over on the podcast side of things right now. Uh, Make sure and tune in over here to our live streams and some of the things we do here, obviously on the show. And we catch really kind of um, your input on what you like by just hitting the like button or also leaving a few comments below. It's one of the best ways we get feedback from the audience, of course. If you guys want to reach me, it is out there on Twitter. We'll catch you next time right here on TechBack.